Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. This is our fun food and drink focused podcast. I'm Erin Chambersmith with San Diego Magazine, and I'm joined as always by Troy Johnson, our co host, who is also the food critic. Dude, it's so cold in here. I don't know what you guys are doing at San Diego Magazine um, because I I work remotely and I come in here once in a while and I get my my, um, jeans cryogenically frozen. (laughs) It is. We are in the conference conference room here. It makes us alert. It does. Don't they make like testing rooms really cold so you stay awake and you're alert? No, we have no control. It's the building people somehow have it set so that our room is freezing and we all hate it. The temperature's not like classical music that increases your brain power. I mean, this is like... (laughs) like You have goosebumps. Yeah, like seriously. I mean, this is Encino Man kind of stuff. It makes our meeting shorter, which is good. Um, Unfortunately, we we can't shorten this podcast. It's going to be wildly interesting because we have a real live farmer. I noticed when he came in, he has dirt on his hands. Mm-hmm. He is like a real farmer. Oh, like, I don't think it. that's the only no, place like, he's got dirt. We need to like it's take not. a photo of your hands because it's like real deal, third generation. Um, that's Luke Gerling of Cyclops Farms up in Oceanside. We're going to hear from him a little bit later. Um, but like I said, really interesting, real deal. Which is a magical little place in the Mark. middle of a place that you never would expect. So cool. Okay, we're going to hear about it. In case you guys haven't listened to our show before, we always start with hot plates. We'll give you news, openings and closings in the restaurant scene. Um, We do have a hot topic today. We're going to talk with our special guest of Cyclops Farms. But then, yeah, we get to our hot topic, and it's all about farms. There's a new development, land use Mm -hmm. controversy happening in North County, kind of sort of near your farm, I think. We will get into that. Should there be homes? Should there be farms? What about the fires? What about climate change? Housing crisis, rent control, yada, yada. We'll get into that. Yeah, this basically sounds People like... People are not going to listen to that. I should <laughs> redo that and make that it to say... apocalyptic. We're going to talk about avocado recipes or something. It's this amazing new yeah, development up in North County, the hinterlands of Oceanside that's going to be like farmer's markets and you know, like farms and stuff like that. I don't know. But I, also I raise, track homes. Also track homes, you yeah. know, which um, I don't know, kind of sounds... Uh, a little bit like they're amping up the farm side of it um, to maybe an exaggerated degree. I mean, it's in the name. Yeah. I think It's marketing. They we'll want to market it. It's we'll very see. hip and trendy. Yeah, we'll, we'll get see. into it. We, we will unpack it all. Um, farm or not. BS or not. There you go. Yes. Actually, people will probably listen to that. People are rabid about land development, BS. land use here in San Diego. <laughs> um, but before we do anything today, we have to talk about, I'm going to swivel my mic over to David Martin, who's our producer and who you should call if you want to um, have us come to your place of business or sponsor this podcast. But I'm going to swivel to David because he has very exciting news. San Diego Magazine, really David, um, <laughs> has partnered with <laughs> Bell Marker, which is a brew pub, it's a brewery, brewery yeah. uh, in downtown San Diego, to make our own San Diego Magazine beer. Archie, why don't you tell him what it's called? Because it's a very journalism-y name. And we, David can tell you about the beer. It's called We've Got Issues. You, We've got issues. Do you issues. get it? Issues. We put out an issue every mm-hmm. month in case I needed to break it down for anybody. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, when I was in high school, our high school newspaper was on the back of our shirts. We were so dorky. We all made shirts for each other in our high school newspaper. And it was. It said, We've got issues. I'm tasting top notes of my mom's reluctance to trust me as a teenager. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So what we did is uh, myself, our beer editor and uh, Lauren went to Bell Marker and chatted with them about what we kind of wanted to do for a San Diego magazine beer and whatnot. Uh, the first thing when they asked us is what style. And all I said was not a hazy IPA, mm-hmm. anything but that, because it's like just overtaking the market altogether with that. But uh, so we were chatting about, you know, what's the kind of like, you know, a neutral but still creative beer that not people that like people aren't doing quite as much. And we were talking about uh, doing a Saison. So we started talking about fruit, what's in season, uh, different things like that. And so we decided to do a passion fruit pomegranate saison, and it has a little bit of blood orange in it as well. But so uh, it was really fun. We went down there. Uh, you put a fruit salad in my beer? I did, 100%. Nice. Yeah. I like it. It's tasty. <laughs> it really it's is great. Tasty. And, uh, and so basically, like when you put in all these sugars and you know the, um, the fruit, which is all real fruit, I can tell you, because I peeled 100 pounds of fruit. <laughs> Oh yeah, a hundred pounds of fruit was uh, was peeled, like uh, cut. Uh, Did you have to do the pomegranate soup? Because pomegranates are a bitch. To get so on. note to self: do not forget to uh, uh, wear a t-shirt and not a dress shirt that you care about when oh. you go brewing and oh, peeling yeah. a whole hundred pounds of pomegranate. Because I was just completely covered with juice. Oh but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but so uh, it was super fun. We did that. Um, Rooted about three weeks ago. It just came out of the fermentation tank two days ago, and we had a little party. It was fun, super good. But so, uh, just to give you a little background for the beer nuts in it, but so we brewed it with um, Styrian Wolf hops, which is basically a, um, a hop from uh, Sylvania. 
and that's kind of like the floralness that you're getting and a little bit of the spiciness. Uh, then ones that people are more familiar with in San Diego, we have uh, some Galaxy and Mosaic in there. Super tasty. The yeast is from White Labs, and it's a 556 Cezanne yeast. And then uh, for malts, we did a Pilsner malt, a Crystal malt, and a Flacco wheat. So uh, those are in there. And then for spice, we also put in a little coriander. You describe your beer as, if, as most people would describe their babies, like their brand new infant, <laughs> their first children. That was incredible. That was incredible. <laughs> that was good. For the non-beer people, can you tell everybody what a Saison is? What makes this a Saison? It just tastes like a beer to me. So it's basically like uh, it really has to do with the different types of yeast that you use. And so the yeast is kind of a it's a Saison yeast. It kind of falls in that whole realm farmhouse. of like the Belgian farmhouse type of things. You'll find that some Saisons will actually end up being tart and uh, sour. And those are typically more the farmhouse style uh, Saison. Uh, and basically where the farmhouse came from is it was kind of actually like an accident that happened in farms with uh, natural yeast that were in there and uh, and different things. But so uh, that's where it kind of comes from. Yeah, the natural funk got into the actual brew and made this really interesting taste. Yeah. What, what is natural funk? Well, I mean, you have natural yeast. I mean, you can actually bake bread by putting you know it out by your window. You know, I mean, you have natural yeast that are in the air all the time that can actually, you know, make a good brew. Okay. <laughs> and so while, while some are uh, like fermented with yeast, which this one is, there's other ones that are fermented with um, bacteria, and those are the ones that will usually bring out sour notes in one. Hey, to, we have, we've got issues. We have issues. We have issues. We have issues. Cheers to San Diego Cheers. Magazine's first foray into our signature craft beer. Cheers. Archie is not drinking. I may want to point out. And it's tart and sour, which means it has a little bit of Archie, tart and sour. Me. <laughs> I'm so not sour. Well, you're a sour. You're tart. Archie never drinks the beer on the podcast. I'm not shocked at all. I will say I love passion fruit and I love pomegranate and I love blood orange. So I co-sign on those. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. What are people? Why did we do this? Can people buy it, or is this just a fun thing that we did for us, or can people order it at Bell Marker? So it's available at Bellmarker now. It'll probably be there for a couple weeks, two, three weeks. If it's popular, it'll become a, a regular item. But we just kind of did it because it was fun. Nacho there is like probably one of the most respected brewers in San Diego. He actually came from uh, Pizza Port. And uh, it was just really a cool opportunity to get in there and uh, kind of do something a little, little creative across the street. His name is Nacho. It's impossible not to respect that man. <laughs> it's yeah, true. It's perfect. His business card actually says Nacho on That's it, too. great. <laughs> Okay, let's go right into Hot Plates. Archie, tell us what is new around town. The big news this week was that, have you guys heard, a Daniel Baloud protege is coming back to San Diego. I did not hear that. This is a big deal. So his name is Travis Swickard, and he grew up in San Marcos, if I'm not mistaken, and he had been Daniel Baloud's culinary director in New York City, like big, big top position. Daniel Baloud, one of the most, yes. uh, the most influential French chefs in America by far. Danielle has how many um, stars? I believe it's Michelin got two, stars, two Michelin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. And so he's going to open a California Mediterranean restaurant next year in San Diego. And his whole career culinary path was he went to culinary school in New England. He met his mentor, Gavin Kaysen, formerly of Biscocha, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Who Gavin Kaysen spent about 10 years as a culinary director before him, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So um, he worked in England for a while. Then he came back to the U.S. in 2008. And that's when he joined Daniel Baloud's team. So... This is, this is huge. This is Where, where's this is the huge. restaurant? Is it in a hotel? This is really, really good. They have not picked a, a space yet. He's going to open up his own spot. Obviously, he's going to have a ton of backing. Probably Dan, Daniel Baloud's going to invest in. I know that when Gavin God, left. I hope we don't screw it up, man. When I Gavin know. Pays, go to this dang restaurant. I know. Let's preemptively not screw this up. <laughs> exactly. So when Daniel, when, when Gavin Kaysen, um, who was you know basically Daniel Baloud's understudy for a, a long time, and he was first over at El Biscocho at the Rancho Bernardo Inn mm-hmm. in San Diego, where he kind of made his name. And then when he left to open up Spoon and Stable in Minneapolis, his own restaurant, he had Thomas Keller invested. He had mm-hmm. Daniel Balud invested. He had Andrew Zimmern invested. So I would imagine that Travis has some big line investors um, lined up. And I spoke with Gavin this morning, and he said that, you know, he is really excited. I mean, Gavin being, having San Diego roots himself, you know, he says that he thinks that he's, Travis is going to be on, in line with like Trey Fauché and all of our big, great chefs. Oh. He's like, this kid is so talented. He says, especially with pasta and seafood. He said the way he treats seafood is among the best that Gavin has ever, ever seen. Well, and that's obvious, promising. Yeah, and obviously if you're coming to San Diego, you've got Baja, we've got you know seafood here, you know, you got Catalina Offshore, you got a, a bunch of great seafood options. So this is huge news 2019. I wonder where it'll go. 
Like Little Italy? Is that just too easy? Yes. Yeah, I mean, no, can't be Little Italy. And I hope it's not North County. Sorry, North County, but don't go to Encinitas. I know. Well, I agree. I want North sorry, County to... don't go. He's going to find... Sorry, cool. Luke. Hey, he's we got gonna, a lot up there. We, we're, well, he's we're, going to find some house on the, in one of those neighborhoods everybody likes and be like, no, I'm going to hang out in Lucadia. And it's like, oh. Oh, uh, God. Because, I mean, going <laughs> past that 8055 merge, it's like, you know, you do that once or twice a year, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I think he needs to find a little pocket like in Mission Hills or somewhere in a super rad foodie uh, neighborhood with sort of soul and history and then just establish something there and bake in your support. You know where I would love for him to go? Where? Mission Valley. Oh, God. Oh. I would! Troy! Because Mission Valley sucks! Well, All right? For good I, reason. I don't want to go there. But, okay, look, oh. if you're going to be, if, if you have one area... Coming you, to Savita, a Mission Valley Here's no, the reason why. Mission Valley is absolutely the most boring, pedestrian, you know, nondescript place in San Diego, but it's also the most central. Almost everybody we know lives there. We all drive through it every single day, but there's nothing to, there to stop and do except for we play golf and go to the mall. All right? Now, if... If somebody Secret like ballot. this, if somebody like this opened up in Mission Valley, there may be a renaissance of our centralized a- aorta and vortex of life in San Diego. God what damn about it, Park? I'm, I was just gonna oh, say yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Balboa <laughs> Park. Perfect. Or what That's about central? <laughs> if he's seafoody, what about somewhere super rad in Point Loma or OB? Like, what about on the harbor somewhere in Point Loma? Right no, by the docks. I do not want him at OB. There's enough no. people coming to my hood already, all right? It's so hard to you get You know what happens now. in OB? It smells down there, and there's fires all the time, and people die, all right? So don't come and over there. And Little Lion is not there. <laughs> yeah, and Little Lion is not there, all right? So do not come to my neighborhood. It. It's so exciting, but I hope it doesn't become a Wade Hageman thing where it's like... You have Blanca for nine months and then you open a pizza place because nobody goes. I know. You know, I don't think that it's going to happen there because I do think that San Diego has reached that. I mean, the fact that he's coming back after 10 years with one of the foremost French chefs in the world to open up in San Diego, there is almost no way that we can see this die. As we've seen with Richard Blaze, you know, who, who came from you know a different a good... city and he's a really high-end top chef that everybody yeah. knew. You know, everybody supported him. There was a time when we were not supporting those kinds of restaurants and now we've hit the point where we are. I mean, I mean, I have seen this exact paragraph that Archon just read how many times? Three mm-hmm. or four times. And then they either leave or they open a pizza place and mm-hmm. they live in Lucadia. And they're just like, oh, no, this is fine. I don't need to do this. This is <laughs> well, lovely. They start surfing too much. And I know. Like, you know. And then what? they're just like, eh, nobody cares here. It's fine. You can just make pizza and they're happy. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't get that. Exactly. He's going to open up a donut shop. <laughs> um, okay. What about, oh, I saw this, Troy. This is a first yeah. look. Clara in Carlsbad is now Yeah. Open. Troy had the first look. I'll link to it in this blog post. Um, it's open in Carlsbad. The chef is Alex Carvalho. Right? Yeah, uh, Carbio. Carbio. And he did Moto Deli, Lucadia, we're talking about mm-hmm. that. He does it. It's still open. And he previously worked at Stone Brewing World Gardens. Troy, what else did you learn from that? Alex is look? just a good chef. He's been around for a long time. He does things right. He's one of those, you know, there's a certain fraternity and sorority of chefs in San Diego that just do good food. They buy good product. They know how to handle it, everything else. And he's one of them. You see him at all the good events because he has the respect of all the better chefs in San Diego. And he's done Moto Deli, which is a really good lunch spot. This spot for Carlsbad, which is in um, the Village Fair, which is basically basically like coyote grill bar and grill oh, oh party scene that's <laughs> taking it coyote's gone no coyote's there oh okay oh, coyote's oh, there he's i think there. he's right above it or right there in that in that spot right so he's going to basically serve food until 2 a.m so if you're at coyote you know getting your uh, vanilla ice songs on or whatever <laughs> you know and you want some good gourmet food late night and for the industry people in the restaurant scene in carlsbad this is a place you're going to go and it's inspired by like true foods cafe gratitude that oh. sort of thing i love the fact that this chef didn't like i asked him like is there anything you inspired you a lot of chefs will be like no i thought of this in a fever dream this is the first thing that's ever been done like this <laughs> in the universe all right you know it's totally unrelated to the rest of the food sphere he was really refreshing and he said you know what it's like true food it's like cafe gratitude he's like i've been impressed by that stuff because they use really he- healthier ingredients and they do a fresh spin on gourmet stuff so this is going to be your basically like fresh gourmet spin a little bit healthier but not totally healthy it's kind of like one of those trends we're going to be talking about in our next episode. Have you Correct. seen it? You had something you're kind of by your name. I haven't seen it yet. You farm too much. But uh, no, I've I've read articles and stuff. I just uh, to be honest, like I go right past all the other stuff that you guys just talked about. I look at the menu. Yeah. Uh, I just right. look. At, I br- and and it's not just to eat. It's just to break it down. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just I've gotten programmed to break people's menus down and just look at what they're using. You're, you're like, wait, what, does he need cauliflower? Does he need? Uh, am well, I growing this? Am I yeah. That? How am I going to sell? What yeah. can I sell to this guy? Absolutely. Immediately, that's right. what I think. Yeah, for sure. And would you oh, say like he does a braised? He, he does What's a ch- most profitable? Do you want vegetables? Do you want fruit? Do you want herbs? What do you want to sell to someone? The what do you get the uh, most excited about when you see it? Uh, well, to be honest, if, if we're talking about money and it, yeah. it's it's the money product, it's it's strawberries is the money. Yeah. Strawberries is the money, and that's why we see so many strawberry places, and that's why up and down the coast of California. Because you can charge more for them, or they're cheaper to get to. Is there less overhead? Organic, or? non-sprayed mm-hmm. strawberries. Uh, you go there traditionally. You go Whole Foods, Jimbo's, any of the the bigger markets. They're more expensive than a commercially grown strawberry. Um, it's like I mean, in restaurants, you you know, you're not going to make any money off the steak, but you're going to make money off the bar. Like yeah. strawberries are your bar. Totally. You're not going to make yeah. money on your potatoes or your <laughs> avocados. No, it's just kind of your sides, yeah. Yes. Um, and everything else kind of fills in. So, uh, but there's other things. Uh, what I'd about say tomatoes. Tomatoes is a good one, but everybody grows tomatoes, and hmm. people. I feel like people don't uh, necessarily draw the line with tomatoes as being either organically grown or commercially grown. I feel like people don't really worry as much as they do maybe strawberries because strawberries are more absorbable. But yeah, uh, they're on that weird dirty dozen list. Everybody yes, knows that. But that, a good that organic everyone. tomato. I feel like with tomatoes, it's more about so heirloom or not heirloom. Yeah, uh, there's there's hybrids and non heirloom stuff that are just amazing too. But you can't beat heirloom stuff. That that's just fascinating. Okay, we got to get through these hot plates because I want to okay. talk more to you. Right. Two more monkey paw. It's closed. Yeah, the East Village Brew Pub opened seven years ago, but in the spring, people were talking about how it's probably going to close because the founder Scott Blair was suing Monkey Paw's owner, which was Coronado Brewing Company, and they were um, Scott was saying that they owed him money, so it's closed now. I don't think I knew that Coronado owned Monkey Paw. Did we know that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a it was a deal that was done what a year or two ago, two years ago. Oh, so they they didn't own it from the beginning. Six months ago. They just bought it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay, Scott Blair, okay, okay. who helped start um, with his with his ex-wife, um, uh, uh, Small Bar? Small yeah. Bar. Small Bar, you know, and he's... Hamilton's. And Hamilton's, obviously, they did together. He's been one of the foremost craft beer, you know, aficionados in San Diego and supporters for a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, the fact that it closed in East Village. I mean, East Village is going through those growth spurts. You know, some, th- some things are opening, some things are closing, something... I mean, it's really starting to, you know, action is happening, whether or not it's good or bad. And I would say the Golden Hill neighborhood maybe claims Monkey Paw. As much as East Village. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. People are freaking out. If you're listening and you've never been to it, you, I, I feel like a lot of people maybe had never been there, but it's kind of a big deal to that little corner of the It planet. is. And anything Scott Blair, Scott Blair has been, been one of the top names in craft beer for a long time here in San Diego because of Hamilton's, you know, and so anything that he was associated with that's closing is a big deal. But I'd imagine that due to his pedigree, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be just fine. He's going to do something else. We so. did a neat story about him years ago. Oh, I'll yeah. give it to you the link to. Okay. Um, about that Scott Blair guy. Okay. And then lastly, Farm to Fork Week is back, September 9th to the 16th. What happens during this? Oh, is this Trish's thing? This mm-hmm. is Trish Watlington, formerly of the Red Door. And I thought it was perfect to mention because one, it's coming up, and two, Luke is our guest today. And she was the one that connected me to Luke for getting him here today. Awesome. So Thank this you, is Trish. her initiative, um, Farm to Fork Week. It's September 9th through 16th. And the focus of this is restaurants who buy directly from local farmers and fishermen. And you can eat at certain restaurants. There's a whole, I'll link to the website. They'll, they have a list of participating restaurants, but there's also events. So on September 13th, there's going to be a Sea to Fire dinner at Biga downtown. And the guest chef will be Davin Waite from Wrench and Rodent in Luke's oh, Hood. Oh my God, all of San Diego Magazine is going to be there because it's go your guys' favorite lunch spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's close, but it's also very good. It okay. is really good. And on September 15th, Nopalito Farm and Hop Yard. Um, these are the same people who do Royale in that Point Loma OB okay, area. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. had them on the podcast before. They're doing a Wet Hops Festival and drinks. There'll be drinks too for Farm to Fork Week. Benchmark Brewing and Bivouac Cider Works are brewing special beverages just for the week. It's a whole whole lot of stuff and it's a great way to support your local farms. And, and here's here's a reason why this matters to me. I mean, this is a big deal for me in, in terms of Trish Watlington has been one of the foremost um, proponents and genuine supporters of, of farm to table movement. You know, farm to table movement has been co-opted. It means bullshit so many ways. You know, a lot of people say they're using, you know, local farms and then they have, you know, that Chino Farms flour over Costco salad. You know, <laughs> I, so I mean, there's a lot of BS that's going on there about farm to fork. And what she did is she said, you know what, I want to create this event where I basically certify 
I verify that these restaurants are, and chefs are actually using a lot, a significant amount of local farms. So she went to the Farmers Direct and she said, all right, who's buying from you? Who is really buying for you in an impactful, meaningful way? Mm-hmm. And that was how she got her you know, list of restaurants and people to include. So if you want to support people who are actually supporting farmers like Luke and farmers like anybody, any, any other farmers in San Diego, this is your week, Farm to Fork Week, to go check out this guy. And there's a website, and she does a lot to promote it, to sort of you know, make it easy for people that want to actually support those kind of places. She makes it easy and keeps a list, and I'm glad she's still doing it. She, did, you, did you say she owned Red Door? She did own Red Door. She sold it because restaurants suck. She just had a grandchild and wanted to hang out with it. That's not true. Restaurants, especially when you're trying to do restaurants the way that she was doing it, buying completely local and organic and things like that, are so hard to pull off. You know, I mean, they're really economically almost doesn't work out. So she was like, you know what? If I'm going to really help local food, I'm going to do it a different way. That's and this is it. Okay, that is Hot Plates. You guys, make sure you check your San Diego magazines for more Hot Plates. Archana has a column every month. If you don't subscribe, uh, please do. And if you have not yet heard about our membership program, it's called San Diego Magazine Insiders. It's like kind of like a, a print subscription on steroids where you get extra stuff. You get to have a special happy hour with free drinks every month and all kinds of perks and discounts. You might even be able to get to come take a tour of our office, come watch us tape the podcast once. Um, it's a very cool program, sdmag.com insiders. Passion fruit. Um, we could probably beer. figure out a way to get this to some of our insiders. This is our cool beer, our We Have Issues beer. Um, <laughs> but yes, also check San Diego Magazine.com because Troy keeps a blog there in between print issues it's with all this all kind of stuff. It's all first looks right now. Yeah, a lot of photos of new restaurants. <laughs> and then every once in a while, he gets it's really awesome. passionate about something and it's like three posts in a row about that thing. Um, it's okay. great. I'm a little OCD. All right, look, I'm supposed to like tell people what's going on. You and, can and tell he's like and... off and home for like three weeks because yes. we get a deep dive into <laughs> yes. chervil. It's like and like corn and stuff. I love it. I'm all, you know what's written Flaming room right now are chives. <laughs> and then you can it's tell he goes on the essay. road and you get a lot of photo essays because <laughs> Troy's traveling. You can tell. That's a little inside baseball for everybody. But um, And then the, I'm also supposed to remind everybody, middle of the show, to rate us and review us on however you get this podcast. Yes, that'd be great. Five stars if mm-hmm. you can. I, I, on Apple, iTunes, on, you know, it helps other, all other those things know <laughs> that, we, that people like us and it helps them make us easier to find and things like that. So thanks. Okay, we're moving on to our special guest segment. We're so excited to talk more farming and produce with Luke Gerling of Cyclops Farms. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of your resume here. Archana uh, found all this stuff out for us. You are a third generation Oceanside resident and a graduate of Oceanside High School. In 2013, you also graduated from the Center for um, what is this? Agroecology? Agroecology at, at UC Santa Cruz. At Santa Cruz. So yep. You learned all about sustainable food systems and the farming. Basically, that's the farming program at UC Santa Cruz. And then after working in restaurants, you followed your passion uh, that led to starting Cyclops Farms, a certified organic. Wow, you got the certified organic thing. Certified organic farm in the middle of Fire Mountain in Oceanside. It sounds idyllic. Is it idyllic? Is it like the movies having a farm? Uh, no. Sun, <laughs> like, like do sunflowers line it's, your walkway? And, you know, do you have baskets where you collect all the produce? Mm-hmm, butterflies it's, on the shoulder. Everything yeah. is perfect. <laughs> every day, every day the list is completed and nothing gets added or erased or changed. <laughs> it always rains and it's always sunny. Every Everything is beautiful. I'm dancing and I'm I'm dancing in flowers all, all day. That's what I was doing today. Julie <laughs> Julie Andrews is yes. has a beard. I think know? that's what people think. <laughs> I think that's what people think of that farming on Fire Mountain and Oceanside is like. Tell us what it's really like. Show. I mean, uh, we're gonna take pictures of your hands. Wing it. Will you get pictures of his hands? We um, well, farming in general is a is a tough deal uh, for anybody. Whatever kind of farming you're doing, whether it's livestock, whether it's you know for grains, uh, you're if you're in Kansas and you're doing hundreds of acres of corn, whatever it was. I mean, in our particular uh, situation, us being a small family farm, two and a half acres, we're growing anywhere from thirty to forty-five different things at one time, Whoa. and so there's a consistent like. Um, like rotation going on hmm. so it's always like something's going something's getting planted some beds are getting prepped there's never a time where we're just doing the whole field and then we're fallow for like two or three months um i think the biggest ch- one of the biggest challenges is that we live in southern california where it's beautiful like this every day 365 days a year you want to go surf 
I, well, I do that too, but um, <laughs> usually it's a delivery and then a surf uh, or a delivery go. and a skate park. I, I hit Washington Street real quick, skate park on the way here. <laughs> I, had, I got here a little 10 minutes early. So, um, <laughs> You're so San Diego. We try to group it all in. Um, but the, the biggest challenge is that there's no like months off to do our seed orders and our prep. <laughs> let the the ground kind of go fallow or even cover crop as much as we want. Which is the greatest boon to people who eat in San Diego is that our growing seasons are incredibly long. I mean, we could be growing tomatoes and stuff uh, I get December. tomatoes in Thanksgiving yeah. still in and my backyard. This is ridiculous. Uh, it's great, but it's also very tiring. And it's, and it's time <laughs> yeah. to take a... We have to create our own breaks. So what does it mean when you say so, there's no time for the soil to go fallow? What does that mean? Uh, sometimes it, it all depends on your belief, I guess, in farming. And farming is, uh, for me, it's a religious situation. You know, you got different aspects of the, the spectrum of religion there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got people that are very adamant about organic or biodynamic. And then you got people that are chemical farmers and everyth- anything in between. And uh, it's all... I guess what you believe mm-hmm. and what you're back in. And then going fallow basically lets the land sit for a while, hibernate, yes. you know, recoup. It's a meditation for the land. I mean, Pretty it go, much. goes into its ashram and it just <laughs> and it, it kind of like recalcitrates its soil and goes, you know, and kind of. It's like giving it a vacation. Yeah. Right. And, well, and you, you let it sit and you let it chill for a little bit. And uh, to be honest, I don't really have time to do that at my spot because yeah. I don't have 100 acres to do that and then let 20 acres go fallow and use the other 80. It's. Uh, no, that's, that's done. Rip it out. Let's plant and let's go. Yeah, you're just overworking your employee, huh? Uh, like you're, you're, your you're one employee dirt. is your soil. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> your employee's well, they like, say even like backyard gardening, like you don't plant tomatoes in the same place twice mm-hmm. and you got to, that's the biggest up, challenge. Right? Is that, it's like, uh, how do you do that on two and a half acres? Because you're very things. creative. Yeah. Huh. If I, if I could paint a picture of this place, uh, when I first went up there, did that big story on Oceanside. You know, it's it's kind of like up and coming and in revival, and a lot of you know local food people like Luke and David and a few other uh, people. They kind of rising to the top now. They're like, you got to go up and see Cyclops. And I'm like, I'm driving up this hill. You think Fire Mountain? I'm thinking like this. You know, like Barren Mountain. You know, where is Fire? Where uh, so what part of Oceanside? Bar- it's basically this really nice suburban community. You're driving past houses and houses and houses and nice houses. It's this classic street in in Oceanside, and then all of a sudden, between two big suburban homes, is this giant <laughs> empty lot, you know, that yeah. he is now yeah. planting organic produce on. So it's basically like imagine your house, and like somebody didn't build on the on the lot for next like door, seven but houses over, and then yeah, there's another, and, and then yeah, for like four houses over, and then you know, it's really right in the middle of a suburban street. You know, it's huh. crazy. Well, for, for the last, uh, I'd say, 20 years, there's well, forever years, there's been empty lots everywhere. In the last 20 years, mm-hmm. each empty lot is starting to get built on. And uh, just on that single street, there was probably, I'd say, five or six different lots that were empty. And most of them are gone. And uh, it's complete ocean view. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's a developer's dream to get their hands on it. Um, How'd you get it? I, yeah. So the story goes is that I just pretty much knocked on the front door. Uh, there's a house up front. It's it's an old, like, 30s house, kind of just kind of beat down, and someone was staying there. I had passed by. Um, I stopped. I said, you know what, I'm going for it. And I knocked on the door, and the guy said, well, what do you want? And I said, I want to do an organic farm. I'm from Oceanside. I'd love to interact with the new chef scene that's up and coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw, like, I saw the possibilities. It was, it was coming in when I pulled up and I knocked on the guy's door. And he just asked for my stuff, my information. And in two days, I had a call from the owner. And I thought it was some of my friends messing with me. Like, <laughs> because I've been talking about this like crazy, you know. And, like, I got to get out of the job that I was doing. I was managing a, a farm for two restaurants in North County also, Bistro West and West Steakhouse. Oh, right. oh yeah. yeah. So I was doing their farm-to-table program, and I was just like, all right, enough of working for other people. I'm ready to say I want to go surfing and not feel like I'm going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go surf, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to sell to this person, and I'm not going to sell to that person because mm-hmm. they're fake. Um, mm-hmm. So I went for it, and... Within 30 days, the lady wanted to be in a, in a contract. And, like, I was not really ready. I kind of was just calling bluff and kind of yeah, – and yeah. they reversed that to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I had, I had 2000 bucks in my bank. Wow. And I was like, well, I think I spent it within the first two months. Jeez. And 
Um, Wait, so how, because he had $2,000, did you borrow money from friends or did you be like, okay, these are the seeds that I can plant right now and see if we can sell them and keep on going? So uh, the 2000 bucks went pretty quick within the first couple months of our lease and our wa- our water and getting getting equipment and getting the beginning of our stuff. Um, I did a Kickstarter program or a fundraiser mm-hmm. and that, that gained $16,000 out of the 15 that I was hoping for. Nice. And again, like this is something that I, I relied solely on people that knew me in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a farm. There was no, there was no farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And if you pitch in, I'm going to do it. So let's see this. And I got over and I just amazing, generous people uh, that got me up and running. And uh, about, I'd say about three or $4,000 into that, um, I don't mean to go to a turn to the worst here. I found a lump on my chest. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, God. I went and had it scanned. Meanwhile, I also had other issues health-wise. I had a triple hemorrhoidectomy, which we don't oh. want to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever had that uh, or a single one, a triple, one a triple one is no. not fun. So no. okay. yeah. at the same time as I had that surgery, I was starting the farm. I just got my... Um, my Kickstarter campaign money. And by starting the farm, you mean you're the farmer. Yes. Like you're doing all the work. Yeah. Oh yeah, you drive up and he's, he's there with the, I mean, just basically standing at the right. fence. Right, I can I tell have by fr- your hands. I have but, uh, I mean, you're, like, you're an incredible it. amount of volunteers and, and my mom and my, my wife mm-hmm. and, you know, family and, and my buddy Dave that helps me like crazy. A lot of people really yeah. help move this along. But um, at that time, it was have the surgery for the triple hemorrhoidectomy. No pictures needed. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, go get these scans about this lump in your chest and it turned out to be a mesothelial cyst which it ended up being benign but it was the size of a softball and so within 30 days of them finding that I had to go into surgery and so the money long story short the money that I you know fundraised through the community went to actually pay my bills while I was out sure completely and I I didn't even have a farm really still I just started and I'd planted the whole thing pretty quick and I had people help me. And when I got out of the hospital, um, uh, the, a group of, uh, restaurants, uh, in Oceanside all through a huge fundraiser and that ended, ended up paying all of my bills. Wow. And so I was as sad as it is as, but as lucky as I am, I was able to start out at zero again. So wow. That was instead of negative, instead of negative thousands and thousands of dollars. And I have this awesome scar on my chest Um, Mm -hmm. that when I go surf, everyone always asks. So uh, (laughs) you're um, a knife fight with a farm. That's (laughs) my back. (laughs) 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 Sorry. That's that's 20 years ago. That's another story. That's another podcast. But I mean, that's, that's how, as I, as I understand Oceanside, I mean, just getting to know the guys, you know, like, um, the guys that run, run the restaurants down there, the locals that have been there forever, you know, I mean, you used to talk about Oceanside's being full of gangs and it was, there was a lot of gangs that were in Oceanside. It was one of the most famous things when I was growing up, there was a ton of different kinds of gangs, but this is a good kind of gang that they kind of have, they all have each other's back, you oh, know yeah. I mean? It really is like that, like gang mentality, but in a positive way of, you know, like we have your back period. And You're, it's still so small. It's still so emerging and small as a restaurant community it, it is but we have like there's these cement pillars of restaurant people there that are just insanely solid and like who are those who are the cement pillars uh to be first it would be david mm-hmm. uh chef david at wrench and rodent, rodent. Yeah. um it would be daniel chef daniel lth mm-hmm. uh chef willie who's now at mission bar and grill mm-hmm. i mean these are people from me uh, personally um it would be Chef Daryl at Masters. If you haven't been up to Masters to see what that guy's doing, that guy's over. I don't know if you've been there yet, Troy. Or not, I but have, but a, a, a while back. Uh, ask for Chef Daryl, and when you go in there, and he'll take care of you. He's yeah. a come out to the table chef, nice. explain everything on your plate. Huh. I awesome. Just, I just went to Luke's farm, and I got he's insane. I gotta go back. Okay. Uh, nice. Privateer, uh, Chef Samantha, uh, mm-hmm. who's who was at the the Flying Pig, and she was at Campfire in Carlsbad, and she's mm-hmm. uh, taken over that place. Um can't be leaving anybody out here so uh petite Ma- <laughs> petite madeline if you guys haven't been there in oceanside they're insane um chef mark and the owner christine huge supporters um coffee shop down the street great little, great little ham and cheese sandwich that they do they do they're just awesome awesome people by the beach um val down at jitters um i mean uh, 
there's bits and parts uh, the urge down there uh in oceanside they do mm-hmm. a great they all these people have been very supportive um chris lobo that does native wines uh he does our wine and stuff for any events um I mean, the list just keeps. <laughs> well, and you mentioned events. On we want on. to talk about Troy. You wrote about a, a cool event that you have coming up. Yeah, the wa- the Waterville Dinner. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so the Waterville Dinner. I mean, it's very self-explanatory. Water being um, not cheap in San Diego, no. uh, farmers need a little bit of water. Um, we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> done. Especially when you're talking about. Do you get farm rates on water or no? Uh, I feel like I think when I first started, they approached me, the city, and the city's been very. Um, supportive very supportive wow. very very awesome actually usually we hear really bad things about about well, civic entities and farms I, um they helped me uh i think uh, convert and they've helped me save but i think in that same sense uh i feel like i i went over on a certain couple rates and then it just landed me back in the same kind of category anyway okay. so uh th- i think the city has been extra supportive because they've seen this like food hurricane that mm-hmm. so to say that's been created in Oceanside and and I'm not the only one I'm just part of the hurricane mm-hmm. and uh, it would be like in Little Italy had a, a farm in Mission Hills yeah. right you know I mean it was supplying most of their stuff it, but the so city this recognizes this is an important thing for the city this is a good thing it's drawing tourists and locals and visitors it's it's tax revenue all that so they will use that as a marketing also with their visit Oceanside mm-hmm. and they can you know bring visitors in and not and that helps everybody really mm-hmm. i mean the visitors and you'll see in oceanside if you go up there uh the next couple months is that it's, it's really like calmed down it's really gone back to where what actually the locals are really used to um it's going to mellow out and then we rely a lot on our tourism money mm-hmm. um but me personally i rely on the solid community members that purchase from me weekly yeah, you know, and or, so this water bill dinner. Tell, tell us about the water bill dinner. So the water bill dinner came right after that uh, awesome medical story that I just gave you, um, and I just got out of there. I was really kind of just struggling to make the money happen, and a water bill hit in the middle of summer, and I called David and I was like, "Dude, remember those dinners we talked about like years ago? Doing <laughs> like, uh, what do you think in a couple weeks? Because this bill is due." And he was like, "Like with everything else, he was like, let's do it,' and I, it started out with 25 people and I threw together, uh, pretty much a little, like a lean to and a quick little kitchen and barbecues, a couple flat grills and Davin and chef Romero at Belgian Beaver threw down and, uh, it took off from there. I mean, social media just like took it and ran and that's what people live for these yeah. days. Those kinds of experiences. Like how yeah. cool is that to go sit in the farm and hang out with you and David and you know, four or five course meal among the farm. You get a farm tour from this guy. You've got, you know, like native wines, I think is going to yep. be pouring. Well, we'll take to take it from like what, uh, Troy was saying is that like this farm to table, like myth and this, this huge, like storytelling of farm to table, this farm to table that I was getting so irritated. I still am to this day about mm-hmm. it is that, uh, I was just ready to just cut everything out and just be like, look, this is the farm. You're going to eat on the farm and you're going to deal with a chef that we only sell to. Mm-hmm. So I know through like pretty much the same thing Trish is doing. I know that I'm certifying that these chefs are a real farm to table person yeah. or I'm not going to have them on the farm because it's fake. Right. Exactly. And after going through those medical things, I hate to keep bringing that up. I'm more about like, let's keep this all real and simple. Mm-hmm. It's just like enough of this foo foo, like fake cover up stuff. I don't, I can't hang with that anymore. So especially uh, when you're working your ass off on, on, on tilling a farm every single day. And especially. Doing it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. I swear I'm allowed. I'm supposed to get dirty. I'm supposed to be muddy. I'm supposed to oh. get like drenched and I'm supposed to, the first day I, I met him, supposed like, to. I, I took a picture of his hands <laughs> because you were talking about I his hands too. I love it. It's so today, real. Today, are they, they are basically like model hands. I, they I are them. so clean. They are so clean. I guarantee he did clean those because the first time <laughs> I, I saw him, I his them. hands, the entire palm <laughs> looked like lead pencil. I'd been picking, you know I mean? stru- picking tomatoes and I think I'd been... I'd been pruning tomatoes and I'd been picking tomatoes all day. Oh, yeah. I so, can smell that smell though. Yeah. Like not not right now on yeah. you, but just when you say that, you know, if you're any kind of even backyard gardener, oh, that yeah. smell of picking tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is just I such love like it. a ugh. Yeah, it's yeah. the best. You smell like a tomato. The um, but the uh, so this farm dinner. So anybody can still buy tickets, or are you guys sold out yet? Or uh, this one's I I regret this one is done. Okay, so um, next time you should pay attention. You do once a month, right? We do our best to do them once a month. Okay. October, we're hoping if things go right, uh, I'm hoping to have like a surf themed one. 
Oh, uh, nice. What's killer about, uh, I guess, non-selfishly is like, to, this is my farm. I get to kind of call the shots on this. Like, <laughs> I want to do a surf one. I'm a surfer. I'd like to and have... October is the best time to surf in San Diego, too. Don't yeah. say that. Don't say that. <laughs> um, and not in Oceanside. It sucks in Oceanside in October. Don't, you people don't need to there. just open up. Goodness you know what? Uh, Ocean Beach is really good in October. <laughs> right, Troy? Polluted. Polluted. <laughs> Sorry, everyone listening. You're welcome everywhere in San Diego. Good you, Lord. You are welcome. You people are all going to hell. Uh, <laughs> the dinners are for the community mm-hmm. and and the beginning of the dinners when i first started it i didn't sell tickets i took a list and that's how we got um our solid pillar of people that come to the dinners every month and mm-hmm. it was a lottery and sign up if you're interested in the dinner and then i'm just going to pick random your name and because i i was getting like 300 people wanting to come to the dinners all of a sudden and i was like whoa i only have like 50 spots mm-hmm. So fairness wise, I was like, you know, we're going to have to just do it lottery. And then it turned into where I think people were a little bummed out and I lost probably a lot of that. And now it was half tickets are sold online, half tickets are on my farm stand. So I give a fair share or a fair, you know, give at people that, that support by buying the produce. I give them a shot pretty much first because they should. And then if you're online, yeah, you can be from anywhere in the world and buy a ticket, you know, but the people that really support me, ongoing are the people that I really want at the dinners. Yeah. Even I, I so want you guys to come too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you, it's really a way, way to meet everybody that's doing anything in, in um, Oceanside food. They're, yeah. they're, they're all there, you know, I mean, it's, it is a special place. You know, you're looking at the um, organic strawberries and then the ocean right there and the sunset <clears> and you're <throat> drinking wine and you're in the middle of suburbia and you're like, why the fuck am I on a farm? <laughs> why did I cuss again? I it's mean, a San Diego magazine. I mean, you guys have had us in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, Beautiful we, pictures. We will link to all of this stuff yes. um, on our website. I should have said that at the top of the show. We link to everything that we've talked about. Um, so, yeah, if anyone listening wants to find out more about Cyclops or, um, you know, get on one of those lists to get a ticket to one of these dinners, we will link to all that stuff. I want to get to this hot topic because I find it fascinating. I know we're going a little bit long. David, you can edit us down. This is oh. becoming boring for everybody. <laughs> um, but I... I want. I think it'd be interesting to get your take on this. North River Farms is a new residential slash commercial development in northeastern Oceanside, and they're trying to get approval. City planners oppose the project because of what they say are quote significant and unavoidable impacts. I don't know where that quote is from. Probably from, from the Union Tribune. From the UT story. Thanks. Yep. Um, they're saying it has significant and unavoidable impacts to the already congested roads and overburdened public services in the area. By public services, I think they mean like firefighter, like if a fire breaks out and you have to call the fire department, they already don't have enough trucks to make it there in a reasonable amount of time. So add in like, you know, I don't know how many new homes. The company says that the development will have parks, trails, a farmer's market, and quote, engage the neighbors in agro-tourism and community. There's I a housing, I mean, there's a housing Luke crisis. Here, yeah, there's totally a housing crisis. We talk about that all the time. Where mm-hmm. do the people, and it affects restaurants. Where do the cooks live? How, how do we support the people that live in this, that work in this community and give them affordable places to live? And yet, there's nobody wants it in their backyard. No city wants to overburden their already burdened police and fire and roads or whatever. What's your take on it as someone that's in that? Do you uh, know this? Have you heard of this place? I've, and, I'm like knee deep in it for oh. sure. And, um, and it's it's a very inter- i grew up in that area of the back uh by the back gate of oceanside um mm-hmm. it's always been kind of like the the pit uh even i loved it i i grew up there i went to elementary school there it was and the sticks right it, it, it was and yeah. uh it, that's where uh, there's still people getting you know there's still gang activity there's still mm-hmm. people getting shot and still mm-hmm. still some really things that some some major things that the city really would benefit with you know, improving on their own without Mm -hmm. this actually. And, uh, I want to say, I want to be positive, but I also want to give my personal opinion a little bit. No, I know. Agrohoods, um, I think are really cool. I think it's a great concept. I think, uh, I think maybe in the past, maybe in too bad we didn't think of all this stuff in the fifties, sixties, and we could have started like that, but we didn't start like that. We already have communities that are really scrunched in already, uh, without, uh, parks and walking trails and little mini farms mm-hmm. all the really pretty perfect picture drawn farms um mm-hmm. this to me is a developer that is hiding uh, almost 800 homes behind this picturesque farm. disney type movie farm kind of thing mm-hmm. and i think it could be good for them but it's also i feel uh 
I don't, I don't know if I, it, Lorax-ish, that they're like creating their own little community, putting up their walls, and it, I don't see it really benefiting the, the, the existing community. And you just said Lorax-ish? Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> I, I feel yeah, like it is. That's an amazing analogy. And I wanna, perfect. I want to tear, I don't want those walls up. And I, I feel like if you're going to come to Oceanside, then mm-hmm. be part come to Oceanside and be part of Oceanside. Don't create your own little sub-community. Like, and fake us all out like it's going to be this farming utopia. And not a little community. We're talking 800 homes. 800 homes is not small. I live, yeah. I drive the road every day that they're proposing. I live just past it now. Uh, we were somehow lucky enough to buy a house out past that. And um, the road infrastructures are not set up for it. And they preach that they're going to fix it and they're going to widen the roads. But past what they're going to uh, widen, I, I sat in traffic for 45 minutes to get maybe a mile, mile and a half two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going through the ghetto and it, was, it, it, was, it helped out. But uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me that they're going to do it in that spot. I see it being good, but not in that zone. I see mm-hmm. maybe a little more east, maybe being a little more beneficial. Hmm. Um, the idea is good. The execution of this one, not necessarily. I, I Yeah, I, I want to give them props because I think it's if they're going to build houses, rad to build houses right. with, uh, you know, these vendor areas, these artisanal malls, these, you know, these this farm that who's going to be working there um <laughs> maybe you should start a I, feel, I think that's a lucrative idea start a contracting company and go contract out and work at all these agro hood farms i and it's just it's not really like my belief my right. belief is to go into oceanside where i grew up and then try to make an impact do with it the, the real city way that because they haven't had access to you know going up and buying carrots directly from a farmer yeah. mm-hmm. ever and or in a long time and and i, I want to be that person and i feel like you know we've started with the restaurants and we've right. gotten into the schools now and now we sell our produce to the school. That's, that's insane to me. That's, mm-hmm. that's the epitome of everything right there. Perfect. Uh, this is just a, a business deal. Mm-hmm. I feel it's for money. And, um, I think some, some big farmers are involved to off their land. And I think some things are, I, I, I don't know. And mm. I'm really frustrated to tell you the truth with it. And I don't see it being awesome. Good. Right. That's exactly what we need for somebody who's lived there in his entire, yeah, his entire life and is interested in farming, is in deep in farming. Yeah. Right. The, and I get that. It sounds like there's two things going on, too, that the idea of like housing and where it should be placed in roads is one thing, and mm-hmm. maybe it's not perfect. But but it's what I'm hearing you say is that just the, the facade that this is somehow connected to like actual farming mm-hmm. and what that actually means, you're calling bunk on that. You're like, that's this has not, this is not actually really anything to do with farming. I, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I think they're just using it. As mm-hmm. as a, to pass it, yeah, yeah it's just a marketing. big marketing scheme. Well, and plus, the city of Oceanside has already said that agritourism is going to be a focus of their PR campaign yeah. and their city which charter, is a real thing, which is a very real thing. But if mm-hmm. you're a developer, what are you? How are you going to get the city to approve things? Right, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, look at this little farm. <laughs> I know what their priorities yeah. are. Let's stamp yeah. that on top. Mm-hmm. I know. I think a lot of people in a lot of different areas and communities feel like that, especially when it comes to housing, because I think collectively everybody's starting to understand that, like, we do need housing at some point. We have to say we yes to something yeah. yes. somewhere. Yeah. And yes, it doesn't ever feel like it's ever quite a fit anywhere mm-hmm. and yet I think if, if we asked everybody do you think we need a lot more houses everybody would say yes mm-hmm. but it's just where who's well, going to actually Luke said say to start yes the thing. Like, I, I, they need houses that's for sure you know? we, th- there's people coming and yeah. people want to be here and if anything it's going to help any of our businesses that we've created to have more, more people coming mm-hmm. you know? especially then, for restaurants I mean, they need, mm-hmm. I mean restaurants is one of those industries that you need affordable stuff yeah to make restaurants work. I don't want to turn this into a civics <laughs> class, but I, would, I will say we need to start building up and not out, but that's fine. You know, San Diego just doesn't we do really anything. We really should just pause before we talk about housing policy because we're really a food podcast. <laughs> all right, fine. We're all going to be like, this is how you should build your building. I know. <laughs> come on. I mean, come on. We, we, keep, I can't build out. We can talk fall. about the tomatoes for sure, though. We, we definitely. If, if they were going to have this. And if, then. If, <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to feed the community that they're going to have, then great. I think it's a great concept. But again, I just don't see it really being more positive to the to the greater Oceanside. And there's other things that need to be done, I think, to City of Oceanside to better it before we do something like this. Right. Uh, you know, there's the people that are involved with the farming project there. I would be more backing them if they were going into the neighborhoods of need and doing little mini plots. Right. And improving the, the ghettos or the places that people are still buying crappy food. Um, I would be more about that if they would, you know, maybe 
add that into that uh, that realm but yeah, i just like don't Olive see Wood it. gardens you know over there in you go, city, down right? that sort of thing yeah yeah well we will link to this ut story mm -hmm. um so that everybody can read ab about it um luke girling of cyclops farms thank you so much for joining us hang around for the end of the show will you tell us where you go out to eat although i feel like we already yeah. know thank you for having me <laughs> yes really no it's it. so thank fascinating you. we could talk to you forever and it's just it's so fascinating i feel like it's just the beginning of the conversation we'll have to have you back it is uh, okay <laughs> two people 50 bucks it's how we always end our show. This is where we actually have been personally eating and drinking out lately. Everyone's shaking their heads. No one's been eating. <laughs> I haven't been eating out. Everybody's been working and traveling. Um, I went to Bonaforqueta in Liberty Station the other day, and it was very good. And I did want to send in a dispatch from the public market at Liberty Station that it's quite lovely during the week. I get real annoyed about going there on the weekends, and I went on one of my Thursday nights out, and it was just quite lovely. It felt like a real city market. It wasn't crazy and crowded and nuts. There was no live music or any of that fun stuff on the patio, but it was just nice to be in there um, when it wasn't nuts. So go to Liberty Public Market during yeah, the week. I got a burger um, downtown again uh, the, at the Balboa, which is like basically my my burger of the year. I mean, I just love that burger so much. That aioli that they put on there is just crack. Is you that know? downtown or like Banker's Hill? Banker's Hill kind of. Coming to Chula Vista. Coming to Chula soon. Vista. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's basically, I mean, it's like that classic <laughs> burger with a good aioli. I mean, you want to get out of there for 50 bucks, you can get five burgers. Cool. You know, it's, it's really, really good. So if you're in the in the mood for a burger that's your spot and how about you two people 50 bucks to spend not counting alcohol where would you recommend somebody go or where do you actually go like with your wife uh we go to ranch and road or lth a lot of times i mean i could name off all the restaurants that, uh, that we just yeah went over but uh, i'll pick ranch we go road. we go to ranch and road and we sit in the back uh because they got a killer little back patio mm -hmm. they're growing all kinds of different weird stuff uh totally okay. it's awesome uh they uh, they do a rad veggie sushi uh, line. My wife likes the veggie stuff. I pretty much just tell them, just make me whatever. And, and if, even if I ordered something, they would do that anyways. They don't. They don't let me order at those places. <laughs> they would take so. one look at you and be like, <laughs> No. I, and then, I, then I have to tell them, Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, stop! Like, no more plates. Uh, but in general, like, uh, sit at the bar there. Sit out mm -hmm. back. Uh, if you sit at the bar, then you can maybe control how many plates they give you. So there you go. And you get to watch because those guys are amazing. Yeah. And back there, I, I love the little garden that they have. It's not really a garden. It's just like um, weeds that they, they basically like, like the most beautiful um, produce weeds <laughs> because they take seeds and they just throw them. They throw them and they see if they grow. Yep. And you got all these weird peppers it, and stuff growing all around. Lots of random back there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we will link to all those places. So in case you haven't been, you guys can go try them. And we are done with the Happy Half Hour this week. Stay tuned for next week's show are we doing this in order is bertrand hug next yep. week yep. who's actually okay i'm gonna pull back the curtain here he's in our office right now mm -hmm. and i'm definitely getting a photo because i have the cyclops farmer wearing the cyclops farmer shirt with like strawberry residue on it mm -hmm. and farmer hands and oh he just God. skated at the skate park <laughs> no it's it's too perfect and then i have bertrand hug the who is like Bertrand of Bertrand at Mr. A's. And he just walked in the office literally wearing like, I'm sure, an imported Italian linen suit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and he has like his long hair quaffed. Uh-huh. And we're going to get a photo the of the two of you. The beauty of the feast. I it's, love this it. Is like, I mean, I, this is the best job ever. Okay, thanks, you guys. We'll be back next week. <laughs>